Well, good morning. It's great to see you here in the sanctuary as we have gathered. We're here today because we'll be having baptism. And before we watch the video testimonies, I just want to read a quick passage of Scripture from Ephesians 2. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked. Then verse 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved through faith. Aren't you thankful that we have a merciful God? None of us deserve what he offers and what he provides, but by his grace and in mercy, he extends it to all of us. And uh, the, I tell each of these candidates that are being baptized today when we do the videos, I said, you never know what your simple words may mean to somebody that's sitting here today. They need to hear truth and need to see that you're following Jesus. So I hope you'll uh, watch these videos, pray for these that are being baptized as they begin to grow in their faith, uh, but watch the videos as we begin the service. My name's Connor Beal. I'm 16 years old. I've probably been saved for about six years now, and I finally decided to publicly profess my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Hey, I'm Sadie, and I'm 14 years old, and I'm being baptized because I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I've been coming to church on Wednesdays for a while, and um, once one Wednesday, I came to the realization that God wanted me to be with Him in heaven, and I just realized that I was going to be in heaven with Him if I got saved, and I realized that was the best choice for me. My name is Jane Adams, I'm 14, and I'm getting baptized because Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I'm willing to start following in His path. And I feel like I wouldn't be here today if my friend Sadie would, wouldn't have uh, invited me to church that one day. My name is Colson Fox, and I'm seven years old, and I believe in the name of the Lord, and I want him to come into my heart and save me, and I believe in that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, and I want to get um, um, baptized today. Well, good morning. Was that not a blessing to hear all these testimonies? As you see here this morning, we have uh, Colson Fox, and I really appreciate um, his parents and their faithfulness to East Hills of Baptist Church. And Colson, I'm honored to baptize you this morning. Before I do, I'd like to ask you two questions. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Mm -hmm. Colson, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in his death, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Next we have Sadie. Was her uh, testimony not a blessing? I really appreciate her and her faithfulness to the church and her faith in the Lord and I uh, really appreciate our student ministry that has reached out to so many students. Um, a lot of the baptisms that we have come through children and students ministry. So I want to thank our student and children's workers. And Sadie, it's honored to baptize you today. And I'll ask you the same questions I asked Colson. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Mm -hmm. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Sadie, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death. Raise the wall for the of life. God bless you. And this is Jaden Adams, as you heard in his video. Uh, he was invited by Sadie and came, and I appreciate you sharing the gospel, Justin. And this is the fruits of just sharing the gospel. Jaden placed his faith and trust in Jesus and followed through with believers' baptism. And I'm honored to baptize you today, Jaden. Jaden, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? I do. Jaden, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised the wall for Jesus' life.
Next we have Connor Bill. I've watched this young man grow up and I really appreciate his um, his family and, and their faithfulness to the church and they've been members of the East Hills Baptist Church for a long time and I rejoice with you today. Connor, I'm honored to baptize you. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Connor, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raise the walk in newness of life. God bless you, Connor. Well, would you pray with me now? Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord. Thank you that we belong to a church that shares the gospel. Lord, from children's ministry all the way up. And Lord, I just want to thank you for the workers that are involved. Lord, for the leadership, for the vision this church had years ago to incorporate these ministries. And Lord, this is the fruit of our labor. Thank you for their parents, for their faithfulness, and entrusting this church with their spiritual care. And Father, I pray that we'd never grow tired of baptizing. Father, we're baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Father, what a great way to start this service. And Father, if there's anyone here today who has never placed their faith and trust in you, that I pray that today, before this service ends, that Father, you would save them for your honor and for your glory. And Lord, there may be a child, an adult, a teenager who has never followed through with believers' baptism. And Father, I pray that today you'd convict them of that next important step in their faith journey. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do for us. And we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.
Well, I hope that's your testimony. Um, I thought about the song, I thought about the fact that God calls us and invites us in to our walk with Him, and thought about what Sadie said. She said she realized that God wanted, wanted her with Him. You realize God wants you with Him. How do you know that? Because He sent His Son. He provided what was necessary. So I hope you can rejoice today, know that we can walk in freedom because of Jesus. Welcome today. If you're visiting with us, it's an honor to have you with us and encourage you. Before you rush out today, we'd love to meet you. If you have time, to, we'll be down here at the front. We'd love to meet you as staff. But if you are visiting, would like more information about our church, please uh, fill out the guest card that's in your bulletin. It's called a care card. You can leave that in your pew or give it to one of us. Or before you leave, uh, as you go out the vestibule back there, you can pick up a guest bag. But we'd love to have a record of your visit. But right now, we're going to ask everyone to stand. And I, before you go ahead and stand, I, I forgot I have an announcement. Elizabeth would be mad. Um, we are going to have an important BBS meeting for any of you that are interested in serving and volunteering this year. Uh, right after the service, downstairs in the Coed Six classroom. If you'll just go down the stairs over here to your right, um, this is to fill out a, some simple paperwork. Um, we're in need of men to serve as crew leaders, especially this year. You don't have to do anything other than come be a friend to kids and walk around with them. But um, anybody that's interested in serving, if you could, it'd be a brief meeting right after the service. Just go downstairs, um, and Elizabeth and Justin will be there to give you information. But right now, take a minute, greet your neighbor, give them a handshake, a hug, or slap them on the back, whatever they need, and welcome them to the service.
enter into um, a time of prayer that we do this every every Sunday morning. And uh, this Sunday is a little special. Um, maybe you could take some time and pray for these four students who uh, come to know the Lord. And their, their fight in this, this life is just now beginning. And some of you guys have been fighting for a long time. And so um, you know what it's like. You know what they're about to enter into. And so maybe you can come down here and pray for them. Uh, maybe you're a Sunday school teacher or you're a school teacher and you want to pray for your students. Pray for their testing that's coming up. Pray for their salvations. Um, pray for our Wednesday night student ministry. Uh, it's exploding right now, so just pray that we would have more volunteers to come to help us. Maybe that's you. Pray about that for yourself. Uh, come pray for your families. Come pray for your personal needs. But um, pray for our summer here at East Taylorsville with VBS and summer camps and all those kinds of things. So as the praise team leads us, I just want to take some time this morning to just pray for student ministry, kids, pray for our leadership, our volunteers. And uh, so meet us down here, and uh, let's pray for our kids and students. come to you this morning with grateful hearts. Lord, we have seen this morning um, the public profession of faith of four students here at East Taylorsville. And um, Lord, first we want to just thank you for the Holy Spirit who convicts and draws. Thank you for using broken vessels like ourselves to be able to share the gospel and have gospel conversations either at school at the ball field or if we're hanging out by the pool or wherever we're at. We're just always keeping you in the forefront of our minds. And um, Lord, I just want to pray for this summer. Uh, so we have tons of ministry that's going on from preschool all the way up to grade school and beyond. And um, Lord, may it not be a summer that's just full of busy calendar events to keep people together and to keep them busy. But Lord, that we would have gospel conversations, again, around the pool, while we're at Finding Hope working this summer, while we're at summer camp, around the table is playing some board games or whatever we're doing. Lord, we just want to ask that you would um, work this summer through the Holy Spirit and talk to students and to kids this summer as we're uh, ministering together with one another. And um, Lord, for those who are down here who might be parents, Lord, I just pray for them as they are rearing their kids and raising them. Um, Lord, the world is a lot different than it was just 10 years ago. And so I just pray for them and give them wisdom as they raise their children. Um, pray for myself as well as I try to raise my own. And um, Lord, for those uh, students who are going to be entering into testing soon, uh, Lord, I just pray that you give them peace about that and just take the anxiety away and let them understand that a test score does not define their identity and look that their identity is found in you and they'll just be able to teachers as well as they are uh, coaching these kids and, and or teaching them day in and day out. Pray you bless them for their efforts and Lord just have your will and way in the rest of the service Lord if there's somebody here that doesn't know you and they've been uh, affected by the testimonies given by these students or Lord the Holy Spirit just drawing them I just pray Lord that you would um Bring that salvation to fruition, God. And be with Jamie this morning as he brings us the word, hide him behind the cross, and just let him uh, bring to us uh, what he studied and prepared. And Lord, if the Holy Spirit speaks to him this morning, I pray that you would uh, bring that to us as well as he um, brings us the message this morning. Lord, just uh, again, we just pray for a good summer, a fruitful summer, and just uh, we're here for the harvest. And just thank you for using broken vessels like us. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, choir. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to read two, uh, three verses this morning, actually. So if you'll stand with me and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to read verses 6 through 8, talking about Jesus being our cornerstone. And two weeks ago, we, we looked at verses 4 um, through 5, 4 and 5, where it talked about how that we as Christians make up God's spiritual temple. And as Christians, we're considered living stones, but those living stones are put on a cornerstone. And anyone who, uh, especially uh, if you study buildings back in Jesus' day, the cornerstone was, a, was the main part. All the other stones were put in place based off the cornerstone, and that's the point that Peter is making. And he quotes three different Old Testament scriptures, two in Isaiah and one in Psalm uh, one eighteen. And notice what Peter says. Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture. Look at the word contained. What Peter is saying there is this. I'm not quoting this like verbatim. I'm just giving you the main idea. He's not saying like... Uh, some, some people say, well, he didn't quote that exactly like Psalms or Isaiah. Well, that's what he's telling you. He's saying, I'm not quoting this verbatim. But I'm telling you the main idea behind what I'm trying to say. And he says this. Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, quoting Isaiah, a chief cornerstone. Now notice how the chief cornerstone is to God and how He is to us. He's elect, precious, and he who believes on Him will by no means be put to shame. Look at the word shame. So if you place your faith in Jesus, you'll not be put to shame. And that is a blessing to think about on Judgment Day. No shame on Judgment Day. Isn't that not a blessing? When I read that, I think about the only way I can bring shame to myself is I actually have to do something that is shameful, right? And what God is saying, what Peter is telling his readers is this, that if you place your faith in Jesus, who is the foundation for all things, then on that day there'll be no shame. What a blessing. What a blessing that is. And then he goes on to say this, Therefore, because of that, you who believe He is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected, quoting Psalm 118, has become the chief cornerstone. Notice, you can reject him, but it doesn't change who he is. He is who he is. And to those people, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for grace. Father, we thank you for salvation. Father, we thank you that this church and, Lord, our lives are built on a strong foundation, and that's Jesus, who lived, died, and rose from the dead. And, Father, today, Jesus, to everyone in this sanctuary this morning, you're either the cornerstone or a stumbling stone. And, Father, for many years, I stumbled all over you. All over you. And Jesus, I think there may be people here this morning who are doing the same thing. And Father, I pray that through God's grace and through the Holy Spirit and the preached word, that Father, you'll uh, help people to not be offended by the chief cornerstone, but come to place their faith and trust in you. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for the things that you alone can do. And we love you, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray. And once again, all of God's people sit together. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Peter talks to us in verses 4 through 8 about three stones. He, he talks, describes Jesus, number one, as a living stone. Number two, as a precious cornerstone. And then number three, as a stumbling stone. And Jesus himself said he was a cornerstone. When he got into a dialogue with the religious leaders, he quoted Psalm 118.22 as Peter does. And Jesus said this, Did you never read in the Scriptures? Now he's talking to the Jewish religious leaders. He said, I know you've read this. That's basically what he says. He said, you ever read in the scriptures, and I quote, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. What Jesus is telling the religious leaders is this, just like the Jewish people that Peter wrote to would understand, the Gentiles not so much. He said, you realize that what Isaiah prophesied about and what the psalmist talked about, that's the Messiah, and I'm him. That's what Jesus was saying. And he says, the chief cornerstone, the builders rejected it. 
The religious leaders of the day and many of the Jews of the, that, that day and now still reject him. That's why John says he came into his own and his own did not receive him. One person said the cornerstone or the foundation stone or the setting stone, the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation is important since all the other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. One scholar says, did you catch that? The definition says that the cornerstone is important because all other stones will be set in reference to this stone. And what Peter does to make his point is, he says in verse 6, Therefore it is also contained in Scripture, and he talks about Isaiah 28. Now notice this map on the screen. I'm a map guy. If you'll notice in the light-colored area, there's a, there's a, a, a nation called Ephraim. And down below in Judah is where Jerusalem is, and that's where Isaiah is. And Isaiah looks up north, and this is what Isaiah does in those first several chapters of Isaiah. He says, because of your uh, rebellion against God, he says, the Assyrians are going to come down, and they're going to ransack your whole, the whole northern kingdom, if you will. And he specifically mentions Ephraim. And notice what he says about these people. This is Isaiah speaking. He says, well, let me read this first. He says this. He says, and now, however, Israel, talking about Ephraim in the northern kingdom, especially Ephraim. He says, right now in, their, in, in the nation's history, Israel is led by drunks who reel with wine and stagger with alcohol. The priests and prophets stagger with alcohol and lose themselves in wine. They reel when they see visions and stagger as they render decisions. Their tables are covered with vomit and filth is everywhere. Who does the Lord think we are, they ask. And why does he speak to us like this? Are we little children just recently weaned? You know what Isaiah is saying? Isaiah says that when God sends me as a prophet to this nation, because they're so blessed and they were, because their crops are doing good and they were, because they feel so protected, what happened was they took their ease. And Isaiah goes and says, listen, you're rejecting God even though you're being blessed, and he's going to bring another nation down on you. And they said, who do you think you are, basically? Isaiah, are you going to speak to us? Like children, that's what that means. Are you going to speak to us like we're little kids? Who are you? The experts in Isaiah's day mocked his message and they mocked his ministry. As a matter of fact, Martin Luther said this about his preaching. He says, when I preach, I regard neither doctors nor magistrates, of whom I have above 40 in my congregation. I have all my eyes on the servant maids and on the children. And if the learned men are not well pleased with what they hear, well, the door is open for them to leave. Isaiah had the same thoughts. He says, the educated, the rich, and the affluent of my day in the northern kingdom, when I go speak to them, they just make fun of how I speak and my ministry. And they're not listening to me. Then he goes on to say this, notice. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. This is what he says. Look, I'm placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. And what Isaiah is telling the northern kingdom is, go back and place your faith in Jesus or in the Lord. Do it. Don't trust in yourselves because God will send judgment. You're worshiping false gods. You're doing all these things and you think everything's going well because you're being blessed. And then he says this. I will test you with the measuring line of justice and the plumb line of righteousness. Since your refuge is made of lies, a hailstorm will knock it down. And what Isaiah is saying is this. Your foundation is made on lies. Just because you're living in opulence, because your life feels blessed, he says your foundation is really based on lies, is what he's saying. Then he goes on to say this. Since it is made of deception, a flood will sweep it away. I will cancel the bargain you made to cheat death. And I will overturn your deal to dodge a grave. Because the people in the northern kingdom were saying this. We've been cheating death our whole lives. Therefore, we're not dead. Makes sense, don't it? You've been saying this for 40 years, Isaiah. We're living better than we ever have. And Isaiah says, if you don't place your faith on the chief cornerstone, then there's going to come a time when the flood's going to come. And you're, you're not going to be able to cheat death. You're not going to be able to cheat the grave. And he says, he, he says, when the terrible enemy sweeps through, you'll be trampled into the ground again and again. That flood will come morning after morning, day and night, until you're carried away. And guess what happened? It did. Did the people repent? They did not. 
And basically what Isaiah was saying is this. You need to go back to Yahweh and place your faith in Yahweh. Allow Him to be your foundation. And they wouldn't do it. And when Peter's writing to these people scattered all over Turkey, Asia Minor, if you will, over 750,000 square miles, he's saying this. You are living stones that God is building up into this temple, but understand this. Jesus is the foundation for everything. If he's not the foundation for your life, then he's going to be a stumbling stone and a rock of offense to you. Which tells us this. There's three main things it tells us. Number one is this. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's it. Well, notice what he says here on the screen. Jesus said this about himself. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. That's an exclusive claim. That's either true or it's not. Okay? Peter said this, salvation, he was speaking to Jewish people, and he said this, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no, under, no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved than Jesus Christ. Paul said this later, For no one can lay on any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Which tells us this, Jesus, Peter, and Paul are saying this, There's no other way to heaven other than Jesus. There's no other name which we must be saved by other than Jesus. And there's no other foundation on which we can build our lives other than Jesus. Jesus is the only way. Paul, writing to Timothy, says this in 1 Timothy 2. He said, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. No other mediator is necessary is what Paul is saying. And no other mediator is possible. So Jesus is right now the cornerstone of your life or he's not. Right now. He's either the cornerstone of your life or he's not. But I would... Stand here today and tell you, Jesus Christ is the only way. And that is so offensive to some people. Jesus said it's a rock of offense. Jesus said a lot of people are going to stumble over it. They'll just stumble over it. That one person can be the only way. And all other religions are wrong. See, that's a question I always had, especially when I was in college. I'd raise my hand. Are you telling me that a good Jewish person is not going to heaven if they don't place their faith in Jesus? Are you trying to tell me that my grandmother, who's one of the best women that has ever lived, if she was not a Christian and lived the way she did, she's not going to heaven? Is that what you're telling me? And I'm thankful that the person said, yes. That's what I'm telling you. Because Jesus Christ is the only way. God does not have a plan B. That's what Peter is saying. He's either the cornerstone, okay, now listen, or he's the stumbling block, or he's a rock of offense. People get so offended at that. Okay, But don't blame the preacher, the teacher, the missionary, the evangelist, or anybody else. Blame the Bible. Okay, Blame the Bible. Jesus is the only way. Not only that, but Jesus is our foundation. He's our foundation for our church. Notice, listen to what Paul says. Paul said this about the church and Jesus being the foundation in the, in, to the church at Ephesus. He says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners... But fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, who have been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And what Paul's saying is this they, they prophesied it, preaching about Jesus. Now, now he has come. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, in whom we have the whole building being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And what one scholar put it this way, God has a sovereign plan for the Son of God. His whole plan of salvation revolves around Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. And because of that, notice what Peter says. Peter says this, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. As a matter of fact, the chief cornerstone is elect and precious. Elect and precious. That word precious means of great value. That means that when you worship something or someone, it should be Jesus. One of the things that amazed me growing up as a lost person until I was 20 is that after God saved me, now think about this for a minute, all right? I, I was a thinker when I was in school, okay? Read everything you could think of, still do, probably to my detriment sometimes. But I would come to church after I got saved. And for some reason, I'd worship. 
Somehow I couldn't see. And my mind just, I just couldn't, I said, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? He became precious to me. That word precious means, look, to you who believe he is of greatest value. Of greatest value. There's nothing more precious in your life than Jesus. And I remember just as a 20-year-old young man, just being in church, when I'm so amazed by Jesus, so amazed by him. This one that offended me so much for most of my life has become so precious. Couldn't describe it, can't to this day. I just know that's what the Bible says is going to happen. Is he precious to you? Is he? Is he the foundation for your life? I know you might be saying, yeah, but you don't know what I've done as a Christian. You don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I know that God knows. And you know what he says this? Therefore, to you who believe he's precious, look, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. That means that there's really nothing you can do. And I'll be careful how I say this. That'll put you to shame through Jesus' shed blood. See, when we're shamed, that means we've done something that we're ashamed by or brings us shame. When God created Adam and Eve, he said they were naked and unashamed. And all God's people said, amen. Naked and unashamed. See, nakedness brings shame, don't it? It does. Back then, it didn't. Have you ever done something that brought shame to you? Last summer... I was going to Baptist Hospital, and I stopped at Walmart, believe it or not. I stopped there every now and then, and I was getting gas, and my mind was on a hundred things, right? I never pump gas, and as the gas is pumping, go pay. Don't do it, okay? Or, or go buy a diet sundrop or whatever. This day I did. Get in there, and I'm thinking. I'm talking to the lady, trying to be nice. I hope you have a good day. I remember saying that to her. And I remember getting back in my car, and I'm driving. My mind's on a thousand things. The light is red, and I'm saying, oh, my goodness, the light's red. I'm so glad the light was red. I hear this on my window, passenger side. I thought, what in the world is somebody doing knocking on my window at the red light? And I said, obviously, they want me to sign their Bible. So I looked over, <laughs> and the lady does this. This is, this is true. She goes, and I thought, what? And she goes, look, I thought she was going to cry. And I looked in my rear view over there, and I had the gas pump in my gas I drove off with it. I said, are you kidding me? I didn't even know it could do that. I'm serious. What do I do? I looked around. I said, I'm going to be on YouTube. I'm surely going to be on Snapchat. And by God's grace, nobody was there. So I do the little U-turn thing with the gas pump just flying around. I pull back in there. I get out and I listen. I'm so nice to this lady. She was a champ. I said, ma'am. She said, you're back. I said, yeah. I said, I got your gas pump and my gas tank. This is what she did. She gets out there, and I said, this probably happens all the time, don't she? She goes, she grabs it, fixes it. I said, have a good day, ma'am. Have a good day, ma'am. You're talking about shame. I felt so bad. Thank God nobody was there with me, right? Listen, I've done a lot of stupid things in my life. A lot. Some after I got saved. But on that day, I'm going to stand in his righteousness. In his. And there'll be no shame. Aren't you thankful? There'll be no shame on that day, not because of me, but because of him. Then the final thing is this. Notice what Paul says. He says, Jesus is, for some, a rock of offense. Notice, Peter says he's a stone of stumbling. Stone of stumbling. That's, that's so logical for us, right? Have you ever been walking through your house and you stump your toe? If you're like me, you start singing Amazing Grace or Living on a Prayer. Bon Jovi comes back at times like that, and you're like, Living on a Prayer. But what do we do if we're not careful? We look at the thing we stumbled over and curse it if we're not careful, right? Stumbling stone. And see, up until God saved me, I stumbled all over Jesus. Oh, just stumbled all over him. Hey, listen, look at me, young people, adults. Before you're married in your relationships, you're going to stumble all over Jesus. If you are, either he's the Lord of your life or he's not, amen? Hey, with your finances, trust me, you're going to stumble all over Jesus. When I got saved, you know what they did? They passed a golden plate at Millersville Baptist Church 
and expected me to put money in that. I, just, I was stumbling over that. I really was. You want me to give you my money? What? And then, and then God, would, God would prick my heart to be like, you need to be generous to other people. And you know what else? My, you know what God did to me right here? He changed how I spoke to people. My language was a lot different before Jesus. Especially when I watched the Tar Heels play basketball, right? It was just a lot different, okay? And then while I was stumbling over Jesus, even after I was saved, I was like, no, 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 i got to give this to Jesus. Got to give it to Jesus. And see, notice, look, he's a stumbling stone. Paul said this, when I preach to the Greeks, it's like they look at me like I'm foolish. But to the Jews, they stumble all over Jesus. To this day, they're still stumbling. And some of you may be here today, and you like the thoughts of it, but man, you're stumbling all over it. Because you know what? As a 20-year-old, I was so selfish, okay, and still can be at times. I was like, if I give my life to Jesus, it's going to change all these things I'm doing that I love to do. You know why? I was stumbling over Jesus. Every Sunday, the preacher would preach. He would give an invitation, and I would just stumble. Just stumble. And then it came to a point that he was almost like an offense to me. Right? Because I understood it was either he was right or I was right. Now notice, they stumble being disobedient to the word. Disobedient to the word. What that basically means is this. That being disobedient to the word means that you're disobedient to the gospel. You're disobedient. It's like it says, Peter says, they're the, Jesus is the stone the builders rejected, which means they, they look at Jesus, they measure the stone and go, that's not for me. It's not for me. That's what it means. That may be good for you, but it's not good for me. It may be good for your family, but it's not good for me. Okay? Jesus, nope. I've measured him out. I've read it. No. I'm not going to take it. See, they stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. They're appointed to destruction because they're disobedient to the word. Okay? So let me ask you a question. Is Jesus the cornerstone of your life? Jesus, Jesus shared this at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The cornerstone. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. You know what I see in this church? I see people in this church where storms come and they hit us all, don't they? I mean, sometimes it's just out of the blue. Christians get storms that the weathermen can't predict. And you find out what your house is built on. I've seen some of you go through some of the most tragic events. And then come in here and worship because Jesus is so precious to you. So you got a house that's built. But it's built on the rock and the storms did come. And then Jesus said this. He says, not only that. He says, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell. And then this is what Jesus says. The last words of the Sermon on the Mount. And great was his fall. Because that fall is eternal. It really is. So today, Jesus is your cornerstone or he's your stumbling stone. And if he's not your cornerstone today of your life, I would encourage you to repent. And what repentance means is this. You don't repent of all your sins. You repent of the one sin. The one sin is this. I've not placed my faith in the resurrected Christ. That's the sin you repent of. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me with every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. As our musicians come and ponder this question, what is my life built on? Is it built on myself, my success, my education, my finances, my personality, my intellect? Or is it built upon Jesus, the cornerstone? Is it built upon Jesus, the cornerstone? And if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, I would encourage you, use this imitation time to make things right with the Lord. You pray, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's so simple, but it's so true.
Today can be your day of salvation. Today can be your day of salvation. And I would encourage you to give your life to Jesus. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you for your word. Father, I want to thank you for um, this letter that Peter wrote. That literally changed a continent. And Lord, it's helped change our lives as well. And Father, if there's anyone here today who's never placed their faith and trust in you, Father, I pray that they would stop stumbling and stop being offended today. And Lord, repent and place their faith in Jesus. Lord, I'm so thankful as a Christian, Lord. You're so precious. Father, thank you for, Lord, not just forgiving our past and present sins, but the sins of our future so that we'll never be put to shame because of you. Father, we have so much to be thankful for. Father, this invitation time is your time. These are your people. And I pray that you be glorified through what happens here. And we'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. As Sharon leads us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. like to say before Justin comes up that um, if you're here today, I know I say this at the end of every service, but if you'd like to talk to me about salvation, I would love to talk with you about that. Once you know I love you, honored to be your pastor, and if you're here as a visitor, we love you as well, and we'd love to talk to you about the most important thing in your life, and that is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Justin. I just want to remind everybody about our VBS meeting, just to be clear. If you have served in the past, if you, even if you served for 20 years, if you can meet us downstairs, we need to update some things like background check forms and things like that. You might say, well, I've never done one of those. Well, welcome to 2023, and we need to have those kind of things on file. So please come if you're going to serve in any capacity, even if you're thinking about serving, we've got to have a background check form on file. And uh, so that's one of the things we're doing is we're going to give you that form. It's one little sheet. It's easy to do. And uh, so we'll get those filled out, go over some needed positions. And so we'll see you downstairs in Steve Lackey's class.